Right, so basically we're, we're going to do a sort of best of clip show kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, I've always wanted to do a clip show. Really? Yeah, no, but it's nice. I can't really remember any of the stuff we've done, like, in the past. Well, it's 49 episodes. That's mm. a lot of episodes to remember. Well, we spent a lot of time just not doing anything productive with our lives. Yeah. <laughs> we'll look back on our lives and we'll see it was just swallowed by this podcast. I've missed almost an entire year of my son's life. Mm. That's not true, is it? That's That can't be at all true. My son's six now. I've never met him. <laughs> uh, uh, here he is. Andrew, meet your dad. <laughs> Actually, with my cold, I could do a Darth Vader impression. I could turn this around, couldn't I, and say, Sigma, I am your father. Yeah, you're old enough. Whoa! <laughs> Um, yeah, so there we go. Yeah, so I guess just we'll just put on loads of sketches, best bits, few songs. Yeah, because we'll have all the normal things we have. Sketches, Laura disintegrating into madness somewhere along the way. Yeah, it'll be exciting. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Q oh. anniversary theme. Hello, welcome to the special 50th anniversary, that sounds like we've done 50 years, uh, edition of the Oodcast. That was our special anniversary theme tune uh, recorded by Annette Bjorling. Oh, it was beautiful. Mm. Really beautiful. Yeah. And she played it herself on a, on a, on a harp. On a harp. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good. Restful. Yes. Yes, we've had to spend 10 minutes waking him up after. It was very, very nice. But also exhilarating. Yeah, both yeah. of those things. Very. It was like a cup of coffee and a Horlicks <laughs> all mixed into one. Sorry, I should say that Laura isn't here at the moment, so I'm having to play the part <laughs> that Laura normally plays on the podcast. Admirable. I think you can probably take the wig off soon. Is it? So Anyway, she sent us something in as well. Um, a, a, not Laura, her favourite bit. No, no, Annette did, yeah. yeah. So uh, maybe we should listen to that and see what she wants us to play. Dear lovely Oodsk, 
congratulations to your 50th episode and I hope there will be at least 50 more. I'm Annette from the Chicago area and I love listening to you guys. You're so great, brilliant, fun, great artists. Thanks so much for all your work. I do love everything I hear from you. But if I have to pick something, it's a song. Laura, I love your voice and your great ideas. Such an inspiration. The most fun I had was with four chords of time. It would be nice to get a repeat of that. Thanks. Right, well, Series 6 is coming up this week. Are you excited? Yes. It's meant to be even better than Series 5. I don't remember Series 5 anymore. What? I forgot all the details to make room for more facts about apricots. Well, don't you think as a Doctor Who podcast, the facts about Series 5 would be more useful to you? Too late now. It's all gone. I'm a blank slate. A tabula rasa, if you will. Well, couldn't we try the four chords treatment? Whaty? The four chords treatment. Like Most Doctor Who parody songs are written with the same four chords in progression. Like There's like literally hundreds of them. But scientists have found that the same four chords can also stimulate the memory centres of the brain. Really? That doesn't sound very likely. No, it's true. Let me show you. You recognise this? Yes, that is Don't Stop Exterminating by Journey's End. There's a few more Doctor Who spoof songs with the same chords. I'll start you off. My life is brilliant, that's what I think. I saw an angel, tried not to blink. People kill and people die and kids of dust won't hear them crying. In this dream I am the champ, hit that granny with a lamp. Forever young, regenerate forever young. So I'll wait, don't be late. I'll go wherever you will go. Will you kiss the pond tonight? Nobody seems to know about Rory, but that don't matter because. Take me home to Ledworth, to the place where I'll give birth. I'm the biggest fish, the nastiest in all Italy. Calvi, Calvi, oh, I can't live covered in whale goo. Pictures of you, pictures of me, painted by Van Gogh. For the world to see And she will be queen And she will be queen What? When I find myself in times of trouble Jammy dodgers prove handy They come from a tribe down under They say that Amy was a good girl Always so appealing Family stored as ideas in her brain I'm in sunlight and I've never been up here before Come on now bro, don't taste me Wait for me when I come around, Amy Park, when I come around, I'll be back. No, no, Sadia, this soil is trying to drag me the away. Bike, the bike from first come It's tomorrow. nothing but a thought to pile of dirt. Whatever it was, here I am once again. I've blown her to pieces. I can't deny, can't pretend. I just shot the one I love. Despite my alan, I am still just a blob in what a can. What Stephen, why'd you have to go and make things so complicated? I see the way you're using Chris I can see that she's playing with me. 
Well, that's okay, cause I've got no self-esteem With a thousand lies and a good disguise Why's your mouth got scaly eyes? Why's your mouth got scaly eyes? And what's in your head? What's in your head? Dalek, 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 Lek, Lek, Lek It's too late to abdicate It's too late Just gonna stand, watch the TARDIS burn Cause that's alright because it's warming all the earth I'm plastic, it's my To be at her side forever Can't read mine, can't read mine No, he can't read my spoiler book Hello, sweetie, clip graffiti How, how long will I wait? How long? Stars exploding all the way across the sky Yeah, yeah, so intense do, do, Enjoy yourself do, 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 Just don't do, try to go When falling through a crowd It's more than a box It's more than a ship It's a TARDIS Doesn't that sound familiar? Something old and something new Doesn't that make you shiver? It's borrowed and it's blue And doesn't that seem peculiar? Cause nothing's what it was before It's someone you must remember A person that you lack That's all it takes to bring him back Did you know that apricots dried without sulphur go brown instead of orange? Yes. Well, there we go. And Laura now joins us. She'll be popping in and out of the show at random intervals, depending on what order I edit it in. Making us tea. Like a hernia. That's Ooh. right. Popping in and out of the I show like tea, a hernia. Please. Okay. All right. I can do that. So one of the pieces of feedback we had from one of our gorgeous listeners, at least I'm assuming she's gorgeous because her voice is, is the lovely Annette from Chicago, but who I sense is probably German because of her lovely accent. Um, and the thing that she said she liked the most is the four chords of time. Um, the Axis of Awesome are an Australian band who, if you haven't heard them before, are hysterical. I would go and check out their albums immediately if you haven't done so already. But The Four Chords was a song that uh, found fame on YouTube because it's basically, you can play most of the songs in the top 10 with the same four chords. They update it yearly, don't they, sort of thing. So we heard it, we liked it, and then my wacky husband got the brilliant idea of recording a version of it with every single episode in season... What was it? Five. Five. Season five. I am wacky, aren't I? Yeah, you are quite wacky. Sometimes I think I may be crazy with a K and a backwards R like I'm in Russia. And a Z and two E's. Yes. Uh, anyway, so Muggins here had to be the one who had to record it, which I actually did in between getting fitted for my wedding dress, which was nice. Um, except for the computer wouldn't work and it was really hard and I nearly gave up. But then Chris 
battled through and said, no, you can do it. And so I did it. And it was probably the thing that's got us the most listeners ever ever since the whole podcast we did. That's right. Yeah, this episode uh, has got almost double the views, the listens of any other episode. And this is largely because it turns out that the lead singer of The Axis of Awesome is also a massive Doctor Who fan and in fact has a TARDIS tattooed on his leg. But how on earth were we to know that? We didn't know, my love. We just couldn't know. I checked inside his shorts when I saw them at Edinburgh. And on that bombshell, does Andy have anything to add to that? No. Excellent. And, Laurie, you wanted to say something because you've just heard the theme tune. Oh, my goodness. That harp music is just terrific. I've always wanted to play the harp. I think it's kick-ass, but the way you've arranged this theme is even better. Oh, also... If anybody from the Axis of Awesome was listening to this or is listening to this, was the keyboard player winking at me during their last Edinburgh show? Because I think he was. I think he was giving me the eye. Benny? Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of cute. Why I order? Hey there, everyone. Stephen from Radio Free Scarrow here. Um, wishing you a happy 50 episodes. How about that? I've been I've been listening since the, the very first one. Uh, and I've enjoyed them all. It's tough to choose a favorite one because um, there's been so many great skits and so many great songs. And, uh, you know, that time you had Clayton Hickman on, it was good. And uh, it's just too tough to choose. So let, let me just say this. Happy 50th episode, Tachyon TV. Congratulations. It's really nice. Really, really nice of Podshock to leave us a message. Mm. Yeah, I, I think Podshock are one of the biggest <laughs> Doctor Who podcasts. And it's really amazing that someone from that show... Will come and talk. It's, it's totally humbling. Agree. Humbling. Yeah. yeah. So did Radio Free Scar not bother? <laughs> uh, he's just—he's a little scamp. He's—he's <laughs> he's a little. I met him. He's a little Canadian scamp. Is he really little? Is no, he, he's not. Is he li- littler than me? <laughs> no, no. War- Warren's really little, yeah. and uh, Stephen's very tall, and Chris is like this giant. Like if. It, Chris met John Cleese, he would be able to step on him. Ooh, wow. That's big, that, actually. Not little is, at all. No, no, you're right. It's not. I, I imagine that's a very useful skill, to be able to step on John Cleese's. Well, I just think listeners should be able to visualise the podcasters. For instance, in, in, <laughs> in, our, in our podcast, uh, both Andy and Chris Alpha are tiny little people. Yeah. I'm yeah. the same height. We, no, we're both the same height as Michael J. Fox. Did you know that, Chris? I mean, I'm slightly taller than you, but okay. <laughs> and I just, you know, I take what I can get. What, what's the height? What height are you? Ish? Five foot four and a half. And is Laura yeah. smaller or bigger than you? I'm not sure because when she wears heels or when she doesn't, I never, I never really notice what she's wearing. Are on they her different feet. days from when you wear heels and when you? Yeah, exactly. It's hard to say. Basically, I'm a head above both of everyone on yeah. the podcast. In yeah, he's always looking out for us as well. I he's am, like, I, you know, literally, I'm a lookout. <laughs> You're foraging in the bushes, yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm a bit higher up. And Chris is there, sort of a bit like a meerkat, doing that mm. sort of like sudden sort of look in that direction, then look in that direction. Uh, and it's he helpful. is miming me as a, a, a meerkat. meerkat. It's there. It's very really helpful good. for me. I didn't know what a meerkat was until then. No, now I do. Thanks, Andy. What's next, guys? Well, there is this clip. Greetings, Zootcast. It's Dr. Phil from Adventures in Time, Space, and Music wanting to just say congratulations on 50 episodes from a long-time listener who's listened from the very beginning um, and just wanting to offer my thoughts on some of my favorite Oodcast moments. And, of course, as soon as you guys said that, I'm like, 
well, Lord, I got to go back and listen to a bunch of them, which is actually a lot of fun, to be honest. Um, my, some of my favorite ones, especially from the last year, I have to point out, uh, the Galley Day 4 episode where you were attempting to sell the podcast to an American producer in the form of Stephen Shapansky, who's a Canadian. That was a great, great, great fun one. That was fabulous. Also, really liked the Bring the Noise Impossible Astronaut TARDIS sketch. That was a lot of fun, as well as Laura's uh, Bjork cover in that episode. That was great. I can't. I mean, I think the the overall best from this last series, or most ambitious, was the large pod uh, cast of millions for your good man goes to war. Uh, the opening sketch was sublime and hilarious, and I love the fact that Warren was a robot from Radio Free Scarrow. That was great. Um, you know that, and thank you. It was great to get to participate in the uh, the Monty Python um, always look on the bright side of life uh, cover as well. But I would say that my favorite of all time, favorite all time uh, moment from the last year of the Oodcast has to come down to Sigma's Ardman Animations Dalek sketch. That I'm, I think I literally. Uh, had to stop my car, pull over, and just laugh for a very long time because of the fact that it was my favorite. And I guess being a, a fan of Wallace and Gromit was my absolute um, number one. So if that's if I have to pick just one as being the top and the best of the best, there's, there's the one that just made me giggle the most. So all the best, you guys, and congratulations on 50. And I uh, hope to uh, hear many, many, many more. So take care, everybody. Bye-bye. And now a guide to Doctor Who aliens with surprising professions. Sponsored by Commander Strax. Number one, the weeping angel optician. Good to see you, Mr. Lethbridge-Stewart, if you wouldn't mind having a seat. No, no, don't mind me. I'm, I'm looking for the right magnifying tool. Right, I'm just going to inspect the back of your eye for any blemishes. Nothing to worry about. Uh, if you could just close your left eye and try not to... Bl- Sorry, got quantum locked there for a while. Occupational hazard, I suppose. Number two. The Cyberman Psychiatrist. So I think it all goes back to my father issues. Not having a strong male role model in my formative years means I'm constantly looking for someone to guide me as an adult. I seem to latch onto these ridiculous, arid, elder statesman types that I've got nothing in common with. What do you think? Am I overanalyzing again? Number three, the silence driving instructor. If you could take the next left, please. <laughs> Number four, the empty child Egyptologist. Are you my mummy? Number five, the Dalek who works for Ardman Animations. Once the entire scene is set up, we take a single frame with the digital camera. Then, to give the illusion of movement, we move the model's arm just a tiny amount. 
It's an extremely subtle art form, one that requires extreme patience and a certain lightness of touch. Curses! I have flattened the amusing cartoon dog! Nick Park does not tolerate failure! Self-destruct sequence initiated! Exterminate! Exterminate! <laughs> so there we are. Um, I played the whole clip because there was also... Uh, we got a letter in from Will Lloyd who's aged 11, although actually possibly 12 by now. Mm. And he said his favourite sketch was the um, the driving instructor, the silence driving instructor, which I think is a bit bad because it nearly has a swear word in it. Oh, nearly, the, though. Only the, nearly. Just like yeah. he was nearly 12. You've blown it now. He wouldn't have known. <laughs> oh, fudge. <laughs> I, I, you know, listening back, I can't remember some of those. I mean, we wrote them and performed them, so we should be able to remember them. I, I barely remember the last time we recorded an episode. It's the silence. It was an awfully <laughs> long time ago, though, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's good, though. I, I know, listening back on these, I'm quite proud sometimes. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, look what we did. Okay. All right. Settle down, everyone. This meeting is now in session. Apologies for absence, Krillitane Ambassador. The, uh, the Time Lords. Do they have a reason? The Doctor wiped them from existence. Good enough, I suppose. Anyone else? The Saturninians send their apologies. They've also been wiped out by the Doctor. I see. We were totally destroyed by the Doctor too. Didn't stop us coming. Silence, Karg. No one likes a show off. Right. Well, thank you all for coming. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Chairwoman Thel of the Silurians. As you know, this is the first official meeting of the League Against Doctor Engineered Devastation and Apocalypse, or Ladida for short. That is a rubbish name. Karg, I mean it. Shut up. You always do this to me when we're in company. Stop acting out. I obey. Idiot face. What did you call me? I didn't call you anything. I merely said I obey and then I ceased communicating. You are a total liar. Come over here and say that, foul lover! Oh no! You did not just call me a foul lover! Please, my friends. We do not have time to squabble amongst ourselves. All predictions and simulations agree. It is a virtual certainty that the Doctor will destroy the universe if we don't intervene. We must band together and stop him. Together we might just have a chance of beating him, but we'd welcome any strategies or suggestions from the floor. Here's a little something that the Sontaran Empire has been working on. Why don't we just shoot him? Excuse me? Let's all just turn up together and shoot him. We can't all miss. It's not very elegant. There's no Sontaran word for elephant. No, sorry, I said elegant. I know, but we don't have that word. I literally just told you that. 
Any other suggestions? And do you think that will work? No. Let's just give him a big wobbly hug. <laughs> Who invited the adipose? How about we wait until he comes out of his TARDIS and then all jump on him, rip his legs off and then beat him to death with them? Oh, I like that plan. Let's do that and then all shoot him. We could lure him to a world using a distress call, then blow up the entire planet. Then we could collect up all the bits of planet and then fire them into a star that's going supernova. We could utilize cyber technology to upgrade the local population to ensure he doesn't escape. What kind of technology did you say? Cutting edge cyber technology. You mean cyber shades, don't you? Cyber shades aren't cutting-edge technology. They look like someone tried to upgrade an IKEA rug. Yeah, well, you look like you've eaten too much tubby toasted. Take that back! Make me tinky-winky. Please, this is getting us nowhere. We can't just blow him up. It's too... Effective? Easy. Straightforward. Liable to work? It's boring. I know. Why don't we engineer a universe-wide myth about the ultimate warrior trapped inside a fiendish prison, hide clues throughout time and space, create an overcomplicated trail that leads the doctor to it, and then suddenly bind him inside the very artifact he thought he was saving the universe from, thereby creating the circumstances for the cataclysm we're trying to prevent in the first place. You sure we can't just shoot him? Hello, Oods. It's Luke here from the Minute Doctor Who podcast. And congratulations on 50 episodes. You managed it faster than me, even though your output is almost as sporadic as mine. Um, It's been a pleasure listening to you guys over the last few years. You are always entertaining, um, even if we don't always agree about the episodes in question. Listeners to Radio Free Scarrow will know what I'm talking about there. It was also a pleasure to meet you all in person at the UCAST Live last year. A great show for those who weren't there, and I'm looking forward to hearing the studio version when you get round to doing that. Anyway, I'd like to introduce uh, a song which uh, was performed by Laura and Tom from the Doctor Who podcast. The two best voices in Doctor Who podcasting, I think, will all agree. So, without further ado, here is Don't Go Breaking My Mic. Are you coming to bed? I couldn't if I tried. But honey, it's well past midnight. Another listener subscribed! I won't go breaking your mic. Oh, You'd better not touch a thing Oh honey, when I knock on your door Oh shut up, I'm recording Everyone knows it Website goes down I start to frown
Don't go breaking my mic. After getting particularly frustrated by not seeing my husband in my bed before two or three o'clock in the morning for about a week because he was editing a whole stack of Oodcasts in one go. Was it around the time that we were doing the crazy one where all the podcasters from all different time periods came and then sang a song together and all of that? Yes. That took a long time to edit. It did, didn't it? But I got very, I get, I got very irritated because you know I just wanted him full stop, and I couldn't because he was busy creating audio magic. So uh, audio kind of generally all rightness. So I wrote a song which is kind of a bit of a podcaster's wife or podcaster's uh, significant other's lament. But you're a podcaster. I know that, but I don't get to do any of the techie stuff most of the time. It's true. Um, the other thing to say is that um, I'm very sorry to Tom because, of course, I gave him the ladies' part whilst I sang Elton's John's part, which probably wasn't all that fair on him. But I still think he pulled it off with a plum, as he always does. Yes, he definitely has a plum. And we've never met him. I hear he's got two plums. Have you? You've sung two songs with him now and never, never breathed the same air. But I'd like to. Well, there may be a special guest spot coming up in the near future. Whoop, whoop. These are the categories. Baker, Cricket, Piper, You, Bespectacled Human, 
We'll go first. All right. Yeah, I'll go for Baker, please. You have chosen Baker. Bakers make the puny earth substance known as bread. Name five types of bread product. For example, brown, white, wholemeal, seeded, bloomer, croissant, brioche, toast, roll, bap, cob, sourdough, focaccia, panini, rye, kibbled, multigrain, hot cross buns, and crumpets. <laughs> croissant. I already said that as an example. <laughs> Hot cross bun. That is only one. You have failed. You could have had bagel, crisp bread, baguette, naan, roti, ciabatta, parata, French bread, cornbread, wonder bread, unleavened bread, flatbread, bread and butter pudding, crostini, crouton, and a defunct BBC sitcom starring Jonathan Morris. Well, maybe we should have a own choice now. Is there anyone um, who has anything that they would like to put on this best of programme? I've got one that I'm quite proud of. Um, I've so far written two sketches for the cast. Name them. Um, the first one was based on the fact that Matt Smith got stopped at an airport um, and he was carrying the sonic screwdriver prop in his pocket and the security guy said, whoa, 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 what's this? And um, he explained what it was and stuff, and they eventually let him through. But only after he produced production stills, isn't that right? Uh, he had yeah. to actually show. Look, there's me, <laughs> and here's the prop. Here's a Dalek, <laughs> and here's. Um, yeah. So who were these security guys that didn't know Matt Smith? Huh? It was very early on. Okay, so I wrote one about um, that, and then I also wrote one, the one that we're going to play now, which is. Uh, based on the fact that the 11th Doctor had loads of gadgets and props and stuff in his jacket during season five, including that enormous light thingy in The Vampires of Venice, which always makes me laugh when he takes that out of his pocket because it's huge. His pockets are dimensionally transcendental. Indeed. Oh, he's got Mary Poppins pockets. Yeah. Or has Mary Poppins got Doctor Who pockets? Bags. Mm. Mary Poppins got Doctor Who bags. She's a time lady. <laughs> oh, my life. She's the Rani. <laughs> she does appear wherever she's most needed, so, you know. Well, I think there's a sketch in there somewhere. Ooh. Maybe her umbrella is a TARDIS. <laughs> ah, hello. Excuse me, I'm looking for Q. That's me. You must be the Doctor. I've been expecting you. Very excited to meet you. Well, 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 a woman queue. After all this time, who'd have thought? Well, Her Majesty's Secret Service moves with the times, you know. It wasn't so long ago that we had the first female M. It's not just men who are into gadgets and geekery, you know. Anyway, you have that regeneration thing I keep trying to find out more about. Perhaps one day you'll be a woman. No, that will never happen. But, uh... Never! Right. Anyway... That jacket I wanted you to work on. Yes. This bigger on the inside, dimensionally transcendental pockets project is so exciting. Although I do wish you'd tell me the secrets of time travel. Oh, perhaps I already will. What? Sorry, time travel joke. That would have killed on Gallifrey. Actually, that's a poor choice of words. So what have you got for me? I've got as many useful gadgets into the pockets as possible. OK, so here we go. There's a sunlight lamp with generator and rechargeable battery. Don't forget to unplug it when it's not charging. 
If, however, you want to see in the dark but not be seen, there are these sensomatic spectacles that include an automatic night vision application. Not good if you're hunting cold-blooded species, but for that, I'm working on a specially adapted fire extinguisher. Won't be long now. And there's a pair of binoculars, because I know you love traditional, good, old, reliable Earth technology gadgetry. Great! Oh, look, humbugs. Just my style. Don't eat that. Why not? Infused with psychic pollen. Will induce a terrifying, dreamlike state in whoever inhales. <laughs> the no-weapons brief was the most challenging thing. You know me, Doctor. Oh, yes, I know you, Q. You love something that creates a bang, something simple but deadly, hidden in everyday objects. No, no, that's not the way I work. Well, I couldn't resist this. A catapult? You never know when it will come in handy, and in the right hands it's not necessarily a weapon. This one has an extra long range, over 150 feet. I'll tell you how it works, if you tell me the secret of time travel. (laughs) I think I can probably work that out. Ooh, what's this? Well, I know how you like to talk to your adversaries rather than fight them, so it's a fully automated tease made with a full range of teas. Earl and Lady Grey, English breakfast, Lapsang Souchong fruit teas, chai tea latte, you name it, it's there. With best bone china set and doilies. And a full range of biscuits, which each have the ability to detonate your time ship should the circumstance arise. Wow, that's amazing. Let's hope Amy doesn't get peckish. Ooh, these look good. What are they? Don't touch them. They're my hair straighteners. I was in a nude care sketch once. Oh yes, I may not sound like much, but once, oh once, I was an honorary ood. Me? Oh, I'm just Eric from the Doctor Who Book Club podcast. But like I said, once I was an ood. Picture it. London. UK. Earth. It seems like it was years ago, but I think it was only last September. Hard to tell, though. Time's wibbly-wobbly. Anyway, there I was, and Chris Sigma offers me a role. I jump at the chance. I find out later through the grapevine that I only got it because Matthew Waterhouse had turned it down and that all the other replacements had fallen through and they figured why not give it to the stupid American who's visiting. But anyway, I was happy to have the part. We recorded and and because I wanted to impress so badly, I really gave it my all. I don't think they liked my all very much. Never heard back from the director again. Anyway, but once I was on the cast, I was in a sketch. I was making funny jokes. They weren't my own, mind you. They were all from the Oods. So give a listen to that sketch, and congratulate them on a good, solid run. 50 episodes. Here's to 50 more, guys.
They're going to card us. They're not going to card us. They might. You're 31. They're not going to. And this is a Nando's. It'll be embarrassing. Are you going to talk about opening a Zazzle store again? Selling Oudcast t-shirts? Look, unless you're the two-minute time lord or some other purist who does it for the love of the show, the purpose of a podcast is to make a profit. He's 25 minutes late. He's the founder and host of the Doctor Who book club. He can be late. He's not a god. What is he? 25 minutes late. He's here. Hi, I'm Eric Stadnick. How do you do? You must be Chris Sigma and uh, Laura Simpson? Sigma. Excuse me? She's Sigma too now. We're married. It's great to meet you. You guys don't have anything in front of you. Terry? We, we were waiting for... Hi, can I help? Can you bring out some things? Uh, the chili glazed nuts and the uh, warm pita bread fingers with the peri-peri salsa and uh, some chicken burgers, medium strong. Um, that'll get us started. Laura, what do you like to drink? Uh, tap water. Great, four of those. So tell me about your progress. Well, we're in 20 countries now, and we have about 6,000 listeners. Tell me about the strategy you're using. Okay, we sort of watch an episode of Doctor Who, and then I sing a song about it. And the two Chris's write silly sketches, and Andy gesticulates madly with his hands. That's called Filk, fan parody and interpretive dance. That's smart, Laura. Thank you. Those were my ideas. Except the, the dance, that's just Andy. Easy. Settle an argument for us, would you? I say it's time to start making money from the Udcast, but Laura doesn't want merchandising. Who's right? Neither of you. Yet. The Udcast is cool. That's what it's got going for it. Yeah? Cool. You are aware it's a podcast about Doctor Who, right? And it, and it has singing in it. You don't want to ruin it with mouse pads because mouse pads aren't cool. Exactly. You don't even know what the thing is yet. I said exactly that. How big it can get and how far it can go. This is no time to take your chips down. A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? You. Dictionaries. A billion dollars. And that's where you're headed. A billion dollar valuation. Well, again, it's, it's a podcast with a comedy Dalek agony aunt. Maybe you're thinking of Radio Free Scarrow. When you go fishing, you can catch a lot of fish or you can catch a big fish. You ever walk into a guy's den and see a picture of him standing next to 14 trout? What's a den? Uh, no, he's holding a 3,000-pound flying shark. Yep. That's a good analogy. Okay, but we all know that flying sharks don't actually exist, right? Have you seen the big ones up close? No, they don't exist. You think we might be getting away from the point? Hey, I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm just a fan who came to say hi. Yeah, well, we do have a dog. And you know what? It's a robot and it has a laser nose. A laser nose? How does it smell? Oily? I like you, Kit. I like your get-up-and-go. Speaking of which, I've got another meeting. Okay, well, it was nice to sit here and be spoken at. Have a good life. One more thing before I go. You've got to drop the the. Just Oodcast. It's cleaner. I love it. Okay, I'm out of here. Actually, drop the cast, too. Just Ood. It rolls off the tongue. Wait, you know what? Drop the D, too. Mm-hmm. Just Ood. It's cheeky. I'm, j- I'm just spitballing here. But maybe have the number of O's, too. Sort of... Oh. Brilliant. Or even just leave the URL completely blank. That way you'll be at the top of the Google listings before anyone types a single character. And it has a ring to it. Hey, did you hear the latest episode of Wasn't Chris Sigma Adequate on this week? It'll turn heads. What do you think? I don't know what to say. That's the spirit. Catch you on the flip side, Oods. Wow. He was really something, wasn't he? Yeah, he was something, all right. So what did you think? About him? About his ideas. You mean calling an audio podcast a name which involves no sound whatsoever? Yeah. I don't know. Andy will like it.
Well, that's one of my favourite sketches, but it's because most of it is written by Aaron Sorkin, and I just changed a few lines of it. But, but it wasn't really all written by Aaron Sorkin, otherwise you'd probably have to pay him some kind of copyright thing. Uh, it'll so. go up his nose, wouldn't it? <gasps> wouldn't it? Well, not nowadays, He does probably. that with money, does he? He'd look a magician. Yeah, that's right. And he <laughs> brings it out of his <laughs> ear. <laughs> a long stream of notes. Oh, wasn't Eric being around nice? Yes, he was yeah. very nice. Mm. And I don't think he was once an honorary Ood. I think he's still an honorary Ood. Yeah, I once think, an Ood. You know, that's a lifetime honour. That's why we've only actually bothered to give it to one visiting American. It's like being the president. You're always the president. You're always addressed as Mr. Yeah. President, mm-hmm. even yeah. once you've left office. So people, to this day, when they see him walking down the street, they say, Ood! They do. That's just what they do. <laughs> Clayton Hickman's also an ood. He doesn't know it, though. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure he's very proud somewhere in his soul. Hey there, ood. Samuel Lewis from TSCN.TV here. If I have to pick a favourite sketch, and I'm only allowed to pick one, which is so unfair, there's too many to pick, but if I have to pick a favourite one, it has to be the football game, and I know I'm translating from American English to proper English, but the football game that featured all 11 Doctors. I love the little nods to canon disputes and everything inside of it, but I won't spoil it for anyone who's not heard it yet. See for yourselves. Keep up the good work, guys. Love the show. Good afternoon and welcome to the final match of this historic Galactic Cup tournament. The atmosphere here in the stadium is electric. Indeed, some of the fans are actually beings of pure energy. And they're all here tonight to watch this astounding final contest between Gallifrey and Scaro. It's been a surprising tournament in more ways than one. But even so, few people could have predicted that the final match would be played between two planets that don't actually exist anymore. Barry? That's right, Terry. There was initially some scepticism that with only one surviving member of the species in the entire universe, the Gallifreyan side would be able to field a team. But luckily, all 11 incarnations of the player have turned up from across time, and that was exactly the number they needed. Let's hope they don't need a substitution, eh, Barry? Precisely, Terry. There appears to be two men on the subs bench, one that looks a bit like Richard E. Grant and one who looks like Peter Cushing, but they've been banned from participating on account of not being canon. They must be disappointed with that decision, Barry. Of course, Scaro have their problems as well. You mean the fact they don't have feet, Terry? I do indeed, Barry. But the Dalek side have got around the minor niggle by recruiting ringers from across the galaxy. When FA officials tried to intervene, they were immediately exterminated. The association tried to press the issue, but unfortunately ran out of officials. Nasty business, that. And now the referee is taking his place on the pitch, ready to blow the whistle and start the match. Not much is known about the mysterious Valyard, but he always wears black, and as a referee, that can only be a good thing. I'm sure he's completely unbiased in every way. And they're off. Gallifrey immediately take possession. The Doctor passes back to the Doctor, who chips it forward to the Doctor. Long pass now down the line to the Doctor, who finds space to whip the ball across to the Doctor, who takes it perfectly in his stride. Perhaps we should start using shirt numbers here, Barry. Otherwise, this commentary might get a little repetitive. Good call, Terry. So it's number two, punting it down the wing. He's looking a little inept and comical, but it seems the Ice Warrior defender has underestimated him. That's a beautiful cross to number five. Number five looks bewildered. It's like the rules of the game are lost on him. He's making strange windmill motions with his arms. And that's a vicious tackle by the Jadoon player. The Jadoon's a boon, but kicks too soon. Well said, Barry. Intercepted by number eight, earning his first cap for Gallifrey. This young player looks set for a promising... Oh, 
Oh dear, he's lost possession to a Vervoid. I doubt we'll see much more of him after that lacklustre performance. Too right, Barry. Scarra are now pushing up the field. It's looking bad for the Gallifreyan team. The Cyberman player has the ball and he's clomping over the halfway line. He's cyber-enhanced with machine parts. Surely he's unstoppable. No, I spoke too soon. He's been easily defeated with some gold. That was convenient. It feels like the 80s again. One has the ball now. He's making his way agonisingly slowly to the opponent's half. Something's wrong. He looks out of breath. He's stopping in the middle of the pitch. He's signalling he's exhausted. The Gallifreyan team are going to have to make a substitution. But I thought there wasn't anyone. It's a miracle. Richard Herndl has hobbled onto the pitch to replace number one. What an amazing game this is turning out to be. Number three has the ball now. He's being marked by an Ogron. Can he get past the midfielder? He swings to the left, and surely that's a foul. That it is, Barry. It was a slightly pathetic karate chop to the neck, but the big guy's gone down like a sack of potatoes. That's Venusi and Nikido for you. So, free kick to Scaro. Can the Weeping Angel convert this opportunity? I don't know, Barry. It looks like he's been frozen into a quantum lock state by all the spectators. Now that lad was a poor signing by the Dalek manager Davros, and what a wasted opportunity for the Scaro side. Gallifrey have possession again, a, a brief run by number 9 who immediately passes it on to number 10. This player seems incredibly popular with the majority of the crowd, but it has to be said, less so with the season ticket holders. Absolutely, but he's racing up the field now, looks like he's particularly used to running. He's like a whippet, dodges past the Gelt defender who's just all over the place and delivers a stunning cross to number 7 who... That was amazing, it's like number seven knew exactly where to be, like the whole match and everything that's happened so far has always been leading up to this moment as part of some gigantic cosmic scheme and the opposition's tetrap goalie will not be pleased, he just didn't see it coming. Which is saying something when you have 360 degree vision. Exactly Terry. So it's Scarrow to kick off and it seems they've brought out the big guns, quite literally it's the special weapons Dalek. It's preparing to shoot. Number four runs up with an open bag of jelly babies, but is unsuccessful in diverting the player's attention. He's trying a football rattle now, but to no avail. Now he's whipped out two wires and he's monologuing about the moral dilemma of touching them together and wiping out the opposing team before they've ever been created. The special weapons Dalek fires and it goes straight into the net. There's a cracking goal. Dark times now for the Gallifreyan team. Their goalie would have had to have had the agility of a cat to get to that shot. And alas, he only had the badge of a cat. And to make matters worse, due to an unexplained time anomaly, there's only minutes left on the clock. Number 11 has the ball from kickoff. He's bounding down the pitch, seemingly totally out of control, but with an odd kind of grace about him. Only one Dalek defender now between him and the Gallifreyan victory. The crowd are going wild, waving one giant scarf between all 30,000 of them. He picks his moment. He shoots and... Oh, plunger ball, surely. The ref agrees and that's a penalty to the Gallifreyan team. A hush falls over the stadium. Even the Hath are holding their breath. Number 11 places the ball on the penalty spot. He does a 12, fixes his eyes on the goal. It all comes down to this moment. Time and again the Scarrow team have tried to push up the field and every time they get within sight of the goal they find that it is defended. Now the Doctor has the opportunity to win the match outright. All eyes are on him as he prepares to shoot. You can tell because the Weeping Angel has finally left the field. This is it. A final chance to prevent the victory of the Daleks at the 11th hour. The Doctor runs up to the ball. He curls it to the right. It looks good. Unbelievable. At the last second, a crack in space and time has opened up and swallowed the... Actually, I don't recall what it swallowed up. Me neither. In fact, why have all these people been standing on a grass field for 90 minutes with nothing to kick around? Why didn't we all get bored? 
I don't know, Barry. It doesn't make any sense. One thing's for sure, though. They think it's all over. But did it actually ever begin? Well, hats off to an accurate translation of football. Yep. Well done. I've never, ever, ever heard, seen or played football. So that was a hard sketch to write. You never played it? What did you play at school? um, The fool. (laughs) (laughs) Netball. Well, actually, no, I'm an interesting story. I went to the library every PE lesson. And not only did I get a C, but I got a two out of a possible three for effort. Which I quite liked because I hadn't turned up for the last two years. How did you get away with that? (laughs) I I was just not memorable in any way. I remember you bringing the script in and saying, can you just look at this and make sure this, you know, just correct all my horrendous mistakes. And I couldn't find anything to correct. Very impressive. Except Daleks are in it and Daleks (laughs) don't have feet. I think they'd be fairly effective goalkeepers. So one of the things I'd like to nominate for uh, one of my favourites um, <laughs> is actually um, from way, way back in the day. It's the um, Mio Babino Caro, or My Beloved Father, from The Vampires of Venice. Now, I don't really sing opera. Um, I'd never really had to go at it before, but I thought I'd give it a whirl because it sounded funny. So what we did was I wrote the lyrics... And then I uh, translated them into Italian and then edited them slightly so that they would actually sound a little bit like the original ones. And um, Thanks, Google Translate. Yes, thank you very much, Google Translate. However, it did mean that I had to eliminate certain key uh, conjunctives. So instead of they strap me to a chair, it's they strap on a chair, which every time I hear it makes me laugh because I get a funny image in my head. Anyway, but the point being that I liked this whole episode so much because as we were recording it, um, I found the email where Chris mentioned to somebody that he was going to propose. So whenever I hear this song, I think of that time and it makes me jolly happy. Oh, my dear father. Don't make me go to school there. They wake me up at midnight. And strap me to a chair. Yes, yes. I know it's crazy. They also drink my blood. They'll take me to a lakeside and chuck me in the water. I'm burning in the sunlight. Oh God. I 
I'm being eaten. Fishes, have mercy, have mercy. Fishes have mercy. Um, I guess Chris, you're you're only here for half of the recording, and Laura's here for the other half. Yeah, Chris and Laura have fallen out. I've no, they don't speak <laughs> anymore. Yeah, yeah, she's she's waiting outside for me to leave. Yeah, and then she come in. Um, but you, uh, someone requested something, or one of your beautiful bits of poetry. So, would you like to introduce that? Okay. Um, I th- this was from the episode where we reviewed Rose. One of our doomed series of trackback episodes where we went back to the beginning. Um, and it's a poem called That's Who I Am. I never believed the stories of planets spinning like magicians' plates, revolving faster than my dad could run or my bike could go down the hill across the way. That we were drifting through space with the stars and the planets and the TARDIS. We were never moving. But the first time I walked to the shore on my own and I looked out to sea, I saw the curvature, the bend of the horizon. As the tide sneaked up the beach, I stared at the sky, struck with awe and panic. Which would fall first, me from the beach or the sky from above? Hey gang, this is Leanne. This is one of my favourite sketches from the Oodcast, and it is Rory's job interview from the big shebang. Keep the blue light shining. Hello there, Mr. Williams. Please take a seat. Thank you. Would you like a glass of water or anything? Not for me, thanks. I'm actually waterproof. Excuse me? Oh, I'm not thirsty. Fair enough. Well, thanks for coming in today. We've had a lot of applicants for the position, but your CV really stood out. Well, first things first, why have you come dressed as a Roman centurion? It's laundry day. I see. Your application says you have had extensive experience in the field of private security. Could you elaborate? I've provided security across the globe. I've protected my client against everything from druids to Nazis. Very impressive. The National Gallery could certainly use someone like you. Have you got any work experience outside the security sector? Did some modelling work. Really? Mostly shop windows, though. Oh, I see. What would you say your strengths were? I'm cool in a crisis. I have an unrivaled knowledge of Roman culture. And I can be wiped clean with a damp cloth. I see. Any particular weaknesses? Fire. Right. Anything else? Anti-plastic, but I don't think that's been invented yet. Okay. Could you give me an example of the last time you worked as part of a team? Nope. Sorry? No, I, I tend to work alone, sometimes for years at a time. But there must have been some occasion when you worked with others towards a shared objective. Right, sure. Um... I used to form a great impenetrable tortoise shield formation with my colleagues back in the day. Does that count? I don't know. Was it effective in meeting your business objective as laid down for your team? Mm, Guess so. We killed a lot of barbarians. Well, then it definitely counts. Great. Do I get the job? One more question, Mr Williams. If you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Loyal, tenacious, non-biodegradable. Excellent. Well, welcome to the team. Rory, is it? Glad to have you on board. Shake my hand. 
thank you so much. <laughs> right, sorry about that. Automatic reaction. Don't worry, I'm also a fully trained nurse. <laughs> Again, sorry. Laugh, I nearly drank my own beer. <laughs> I do like your laugh, Andy, at the moment. Your <laughs> cough makes it last about three times as long as normal. You've done quite a lot of um, job interview sketches, haven't you, Sigma? Is there a reason for this? Yes. I find they're a very simple format. Tag, <laughs> Herr Stiefel. I am Fraulein Seid. I shall be conducting your interview today for the position of person who mops the floor at the Third Reich. What in the name of the Führer was that noise? I'm sorry, Fraulein. Perhaps I shouldn't have eaten that bread first at lunch. Indeed. Now, what makes you think you are suitable for this position? I love mopping floors and hate anyone who is different or weaker than me. Sounds like a slam dunk from where I'm sitting. Spush! Nothing but net! Haha! <laughs> Enough with these playful American anachronisms. Where do you see yourself in five years' time? That's not an easy question to answer. I could be anywhere in, in time or space, perhaps burning David Cameron alive. I don't understand. Who is this Cameron of which you speak? He is the future Prime Minister of Britain. Excellent. You seem perfect. Yes. Perfect. And yet not suspiciously so. What did I tell you, Jim? These Nazis are so stupid. It's like taking candy from a baby. Don't get too smug, sir. You get too confident, you get sloppy. It only takes one mistake to... Wait a minute, did you leave the microphone on? No, of course I didn't. Oh, sh... Excuse me, Herr Stiefel. What did you just say? Nothing, Fraulein. I was just singing a song to myself. A lullaby my mother taught me. I see. How sentimental. I apologize, Fraulein. It won't happen again. See that it doesn't. That was close. You're telling me, sir. We nearly blew the whole mission. That would have been a disaster. Wait. Please don't tell me you've still got your hand on the button again. Son of a... What is this trickery? Nothing. I'm just a normal Nazi like you. Achoo! Herr Stiefel... Have you just sneezed a tiny little man out of your nose? Maybe. What is the meaning of this? It's a gypsy. What? A gypsy. It's a little tiny gypsy that I imprisoned up my nose. Here, let me put him back in. I have heard enough. There is something extremely fishy going on here. Guards! Guards! That's it. Emergency protocol activated. Shrink her down and bring her in. I don't really understand why we didn't do that immediately. Perhaps it is because you're a rubbish captain who should never have been in charge of a justice vehicle. I heard that, you know. Of course you did. I said it into the microphone. Give me that. No, give me it. No, make me. Look, I'm ordering you as captain to give me the microphone back. I'm not giving it back. Please in the Silurian Job Center. Hello. Ah, come in, Mr. Iktar. How can I help you? Well, it's a bit embarrassing, really. Nonsense, Mr. Iktar. You mustn't be embarrassed. We're here to help. Well... Out with it, man. I think I've been put in the wrong cast. Really? Yeah, I, I don't think I'm meant to be a warrior. My venom gland takes forever to charge up. 
It takes a fortnight, and even then I'm lucky if I can produce enough venom to stun an elderly squirrel. You're right, that doesn't seem right. And I get claustrophobic inside the masks. I panic and end up hyperventilating. It's a nightmare. Well, perhaps you'd be more suited to the scientific cast. I don't think so. I tried to bioprogram some cave moss the other day and it ran off with the wife. Oh dear. Well, how about medical cast? Nope. Back when I was at school, we had to vivisect a frog while it was still conscious. And I got so squeamish, I slipped and cut off my own arm. How unfortunate. That's why I don't have an arm. I did wonder why you didn't have an arm. That's the reason. Well... There's always domestic cast. Can't cook. Legal cast. I'm not argumentative. Engineering cast. I don't understand the concept of walls. Well, what cast do you want to be put in then? I don't really know. Um, is there a flower arranging cast? Well, considering we're a subterranean species, no. Hmm, that's annoying. How about a sit around at home and watch TV cast? No, that one's full. I've got it. A podcast. Perfect. You might need to work on your closing gags, though. Actually, when you listen to it, I don't, I don't really think the script's that good. But Laura is just so funny, and she's put on this kind of, um, kind of weird foreign voice <laughs> for no reason, and no one asked her to beforehand. <laughs> Well, hello and welcome to another Ucast interview. To my right, as always, are Miss Laura Simpson, Mr. Chris Alpha and Mr. Andrew Candish. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi Chris. Chris. And we're all very excited to welcome this week's guest, a creature that needs no introduction. Um, <laughs> actually, uh, well, this is slightly embarrassing, but I've forgotten. Um, uh, do we even have an interview today? <laughs> Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> now I remember how silly of me. Today we're interviewing a spokesperson for the silence. The what? The, the silence. Him over there. Ah! Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Welcome, Mr. Silent. I believe Alpha has the first question. Hmm? Uh, sorry? No, you've lost me. About what? I've got no idea. What were we talking about? It looks like we're just about to interview... Ah! What is it? Look over there! Ah! ah! Um, Can I ask you first, who does your tailoring? Well, I think tailoring's a bit of a grand word for it. I usually just throw on a jumper and a pair of shorts and I'm good to go. No, no, I wasn't talking to you. Who were you talking to then? Um, no one. Uh, Laura, maybe? Laws, who who does your tailoring? What? Ah! 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 biscuits! Okay, everyone keep staring at him. Don't look away. Concentrate on his answer. Mr Silent... Who does your tailoring? Well, I generally go for quite a classic line. I find off the hanger suits to be. Ah! Sorry, I just drifted off for a moment. That's okay, we're not doing anything. You drift off. It'll mean you'll be sharp for the interview later. Uh, Sigma? <laughs> Sorry. Mr. Silent, if you could get jiggy with any other creature in the universe, which would it be? And no thals or axons. That's cheating. Really, really sorry. This is getting ridiculous. Are you alright, Alf? I'm I'm fine. Why did you just go, ah? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Well, did you see a mouse or something? There's, there's a mouse? Ah! Calm down, there isn't a mouse. There is something, though, a sort of unspecified feeling of 
dread? Yeah, I feel that way too. Can't you four concentrate for even a split second? Oh, that's a nice top you've got on, Laura. Thanks. I got it for the interview we're doing later. Guys. But what are you shouting about now? That! that. Oh! Crikey! Oh my! Help! We're all going to die. Why? Now I remember. That's it. I'm off. So soon? What did we do? Well, hello and welcome to another Oodcast interview. To my right, as always, are Miss Laura Simpson, Mr. Chris Alpha and Mr. Andrew Candish. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi Chris. Chris. All right. Hello, Oods. Uh, originally, I was going to uh, just email this in and then say, well, you lot read it because you've got crazy British accents, you know. But then I thought, you know what? I can do a pretty good British accent myself, as you can hear. Uh, you know, I could have gone a lot of different ways, but I decided on this cracking mash-up right here, which I'm sure is a bit crap, but here I go. My favourite uh, bit from the last season was where Laura was, like, pretending to be Amy in uh, the episode where you guys reviewed The Girl Who Waited. Oh, I, I love that bit with, with the Gregory McCormick and all that. Well, anyway, uh, I won't take up much more of your time. And, uh, so, uh, yeah. Okay, well, that's enough of that. Uh, congratulations, you guys, on, on 50 Oodcasts. And I hope to hear, uh, Oodcasts all the way up until Gregory McCarmel is, uh, is all up in it. And, uh, well, anyway, congratulations here from, uh, the middle of America. Alright, cheers! Well, what can I say? Mind blowing stuff. Farewell, Matt Smith. And farewell, Stephen Moffat, too. I can't believe the Doctor's real name is Gregory McCaramel. Bizarre. Wonder if they'll change the name of the series now. <laughs> Season 13 of Gregory McCaramel, Time Doctor. And Peaches Geldof is really coming into her own as head writer. I'm glad we're over that whole Tom Baker's clone playing Gregory nonsense. Freddie Highmore is so much better in the role. And as we approach the end of the season, we've seen some really daring stuff. From successes like the return of the Candyman and the Merca spin-off series, to obvious failures like the musical episode and the whiff of evil broadcast only in smells. Even so, I remain upbeat. Can't wait to hear what the creative team comes up with next. So that was a really interesting tour around the whole of the British Islands. He uh, liked that bit from The Girl Who Waited, where you aged incredibly quickly and saw all of Doctor Who. Yes, I liked that bit too. And I it, like aging. And his favourite bit was the bit with Gregory McCaramel. McCaramel. I have to say, when I came up with the idea of Gregory McCaramel, the name, I did titter to myself. Why did you Did titter? you find it titivating? I just <laughs> found it funny, Gregory McCaramel. I don't know why. Isn't it based on somebody or something? No. No? Oh. Nope, just a funny name. I thought it was a reference to something else. Yeah, not that clever, unfortunately. So that was Michael Matina, I think, and his nickname is Cuban. So thanks, Cuban. Also, thanks for the missile crisis, mate. <laughs> 
Nice. <laughs> and the heels. Yeah. And the cigars. And those fantastic cars. And the sequel to Dirty Dancing. Wasn't yeah. that called Cuban Nights? Yeah, Night? thank you. Yeah, it stars Romola Garrelai, who's a very good actress. I can say today from anything. Would you like to tell us about a, an adventure you've been on? Well, the Stone Core Pirates one was about when I met a robot and it was, you know, a servitor robot. Ah. A servitor robot. And yeah. what happened to the robot then? That some stealing core pipes sprang out of the rocks. And what did they do? They pointed their laser guns. They pointed their laser guns at who? At you? Yeah. Or at the and robot? The s- or at both of you? Yeah. Goodness me. What did you do then? I, I let them... Get the vortex code out of the robot. You did? I did. And was that a clever thing to do? It was. Why was that a clever thing to do? It was a clever idea that I I had. had, And I said, those pirates won't be messing around anyone for quite a while. They'll they'll be too busy enjoying themselves. (laughs) Too busy enjoying themselves? Yeah. Why? What did the vortex code do to them? I don't know, but they just didn't go crazy. Okay. And what planet did all this happen on? The planet Crone. And what's special about the planet Crone? It's got green stalks with eyeballs at the top. Has it? For for the trees. Wow. It's the oldest planet in the universe. Ah, I see. So that was your most recent adventure, was it, Doctor? Yes. And you saved a robot from nasty pirates. Yeah. And sent them off to enjoy themselves instead of being nasty. Yeah. Well, that sounds very Doctor. Okay. Yes, all right. Stop fiddling with the settings on my microphone with your sonic screwdriver. You're loud enough. Okay, so for now, this (laughs) is the Doctor saying goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) And me... Chris Alpha. Bye bye. Hey, this is Chip from the Two Minute Time Lord podcast. And my favorite moment from the Oodcast had to be from 2010 when I was having guest reviewers from the UK contribute reviews of Series 5 episodes for the Two Minute Time Lord podcast. And when the Oodcast's turn came up, Chris and Laura submitted. A tour de force. Majestic, manic, mania. Wait, that's not right. Anyway, uh, it was fantastic. They had such great uh, music and stuff and all that. And this is my favorite Oogcast bit ever. Because they did it for my show first. The following podcast contains spoilers for the Series 5 episode of Doctor Who, The Hungry Earth. That's number 8. If you haven't seen it yet, please listen to this podcast a little later when you have. The following podcast is also a little bit longer than its name implies. This time, it's not my fault. Hi, this is Chip. This is the Two Minute Time Lord podcast, and this is another of our weekly guest reviews from the United Kingdom. This time, it's Laura and Chris Sigma from the Oodcast. 
Okay, we've only got two minutes. Why? Because it's the two minute time lord, it's in the name. Uh, you do the song, I'll do the review. We're doing a song? Of course we're doing a song, we're the Ood cast, it's what we do. Well, what, what song shall I do? I don't know, Um, something with underground in it, surprise me. Okay. Right, Um. hi, my name's Chris and that was my fiance Laura. Actually forget that, that's extraneous information. Um, we're here to review The Hungry Earth, which we've literally just finished watching. It's the eighth episode in Matt Smith's first series of The Doctor and it's written by Chris Chibnall. Take me down 21 kilometers underground To the race beneath your feet I want to, I want to, I want to Laid out low With a magma glow An engineering feat I want to, I want to It's alright, but I reckon you could do better Okay The Doctor's Guide to Cool Stuff Bunk beds Like normal beds, only with ladders Bow ties Bow ties are cool They're like jazz hands for the neck Claw hammers These are brilliant They're like regular hammers, but they have claws Claws! What's not to like? Eye patches Amazing! All the panache of a blindfold while still affording you the ability to see You'll all be wearing them in the 60s the 2060s. Terrapins. These are the best. Imagine being a tortoise and then seeing a terrapin. You'd be so jealous. They're sleeker and they can swim. Lovely. Tortoises are good too though. Sporks. These are the best things in the universe. A fork you can eat soup with. I once saved an entire civilization using just a spork and a claw hammer and a terrapin. Cornflakes. All the taste of corn None of the roundness. Lovely! Toast. It's like someone took bread and really kicked it up a notch. The Daily Mail. News for single-celled organisms. Remember, single-celled organisms are people too, although obviously they're not. Swordfish. Do I really have to explain this one? They're fish. Fish with swords for noses. What's cooler than that? Well, obviously fish with hammers for heads, but what's cooler than that? I'll tell you, nothing! Automatic doors. You don't have to take your hands out of your pockets. How cool is that? Take it from a time traveller. There's nothing more futuristic than doors that open with a pleasing little whoosh noise. Automatic pencil sharpener. Everyone who has to use a normal pencil sharpener, put your hand up. Oh no, you can't. You're using both of them to sharpen your pencil. Obviously you're not as cool as me. Automatic tin opener. Basically, everything automatic is cool. I won't list all of them here, as I don't have the time. Well, I do, but you don't. You've got another 90 years max, except you, Stacey. You get a cyborg body in 2067. And an eye patch. Pen knife. Like a knife you can write with. Actually, is that how it works? It should be. The pen is mightier than the sword. And, as we've seen, the spork is mightier than the pen. One day I'll put everything in the universe in order of usefulness. And coolness. Sonic Screwdriver I just used mine to save you from a paraxal mind worm through your audio system. You should be able to taste cinnamon again. You're welcome, but sit down and try not to think about prime numbers for at least ten minutes. They can't resist a good prime. You'll only get reinfected and have to listen to this part of the podcast again. The Oodcast Like a normal podcast, but sillier 
and there's a girl in it. That's got to count for something, right? Geronimo! A guy called Benjamin List wrote in and told us about some of his favourite bits. He liked the bit where Laura thought about the murker having a poo in the Edinburgh <laughs> office. Yes, I like that bit because it takes quite a lot to make me laugh. I'm quite a serious sort of person most of the time. Yes, you are, honey. And if I see something that most people would find hysterically funny, it just makes me smile. <laughs> And then there's a shot of a carpet with the official Seal. insignia yeah, of that would be the, in the United States. That is the Oval Office. And then there's a shot uh, that comes into focus of the... The Merca. No. <laughs> in the middle of the Oval Office. Sitting behind the desk. I am, I like yeah. And Barack Obama's the... there trying to do some judo... <laughs> I like to imagine the America squatting in the middle of the Earth. Anyway, Oval there's office, the emblematic Laying eagle, a turd which... and then wandering away... <laughs> <laughs> Looking a bit sheepish. <laughs> Whilst Barack Obama waggles a finger at it. Yes, sternly. <laughs> so there's the preview. And, <laughs> and there's like a. Merca does dump in Oval Office shock. <laughs> I was just wondering. news written. Somebody switch off my mind. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of how it might gesticulate with its little arms to show that it was embarrassed. Sorry. <laughs> She's off again. When I was editing that bit, uh, um, it, Laura's laughter is actually considerably longer than what made the edit. But the thing was, it went on for so long that all it would have been would have been minutes and minutes of Laura laughing. Okay, then. Well, the next round is uh, what I've called the Two Ronnies round. And this is a solo round for Chris Alpha. How are you feeling? I'm, I'm feeling fine. Okay, right. Thanks. So in this round, Chris is going to attempt to answer my quickfire questions with the added twist that he has to ignore the actual question being asked and give the answer to the question I asked one previously, like in the classic two runners sketch. Okay, so I'm going to begin. Before I ask you your first question, I'm just going to say, please give the name of the podcast you co-present. Okay, question one. Name the fictional group of losers and geeks that Russell T. Davis created to parody Doctor Who fans. The Oodcast. Correct. Name the twisted genius who created the evil power-hungry Daleks. Linda. Correct. Who gave their celebrity endorsement to Stannis Stairlifts in the late 90s? Davros. Correct. Which mythical beast did the Doctor face in Terror of the Zygons? Dame Thora Heard. Correct. The Doctor claims he was taught escapology by Harry Houdini, but what caused the great man's eventual death? The Loch Ness Monster. Correct. And finally, what is the correct response when someone tells you they think Merlin is better than Doctor Who? A surprise punch to the stomach. Correct. And that is four points I'm going to give you for that. That was amazing. Amazing. Well, everyone, 50 episodes. We have been doing this crazy, stupid, overambitious podcast for 50 episodes. And how many years? Two and a bit. Since the beginning of 2010, isn't it? 
And so much has happened. Yes, so much has happened. What has happened? Well, we got married, me and Laura did. Not all of us. (laughs) All four of us got married and then (laughs) most of us got divorced except for me and Laura. Yeah. We stayed married. I had a baby, an imaginary baby. I made a joke about having an imaginary baby earlier on. Yeah. Oh, that's synchronicity and, and I'm, for you. It turns out I'm your father-in-law. Mm. That so, is good. <laughs> Laura, I am your father-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And the littlest doctor started going to school. That's right. We did a live show. <gasps> we did our own live show. We went to LA. Some yeah, of us. Yeah, my first trip to America. It was kick-ass. And I remember we've got a sort of a thing that counts how many people listen to the episode. And I remember seeing 80 people listen to season one, episode one, and being just over the moon, just sort of awestruck that there were 80 people in the world who would want to listen to this stupid thing that we put out. I remember that. And now it's hundreds of times that. And that's just incredible. Yes, it is. So thank you, everybody who's written in, but everybody who's just click download um it has been a really really fun thing to do it's been an honor hasn't it yes can we keep doing it please yeah Yeah, why not yeah go on great after all that's how it started Wow.